Welcome to the Careers in Action podcast brought to you by the DeMore McKim Graduate Career Center at Northeastern University. We simplify the details behind successful careers one interview at a time. Whether you're a student exploring your future or just curious about the world of work, discover the real stories, insights, and daily adventures of professionals from diverse industries. And action! Welcome back to the Careers in Action podcast. I'm joined today by Tom Ferrer of Viva Systems. Welcome, Tom. Hi. Thank you so much for having me and really happy to be here. Thank you for being here. So I was able to meet Tom last year. Um, We've been able to connect over lunch and we've been able to exchange emails and he agreed to be on the podcast today. So I'm thrilled to have you. Would love for you to share a little bit more about your role and what you do. Absolutely. So I'm a university recruiter at Viva Systems. Essentially what that means is pretty much the the boots on the ground at campuses across the Northeast and some other locations across the country. I am speaking with students, speaking with administrators, different student organizations, kind of spreading the the good word of Viva, I guess, and what opportunities that we have for students in our entry-level roles. I work program agnostic with all of our five roles that we will get into later. But yeah, it's a little bit about my role. Awesome. Great. Thanks so much. So in conversation over lunch today, you told me actually your first exposure to Viva was at a Northeastern game. So can you give (laughs) me a little bit more of that background? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I went to Boston College. So sorry to all of you out there for that information. Um, But essentially, I was a business administration and political science double major. I wasn't entirely sure what I wanted to do with that. But I did know that business ethics was something I was very passionate about. So I took a couple classes with this one professor in the business school that used the life sciences industry as a medium to teach what can go really well when you have a company like Viva, that's a public benefit corporation, really cares about the end user, as opposed to, I guess, on the other end of that spectrum, you have your Martin Screlly types. They'll take EpiPens, check up the price 2,000%, and people die as a result. So I knew I wanted to be on the right side of things, but I didn't entirely know how to break into that without a STEM degree. So I was at a Boston College hockey game in Conti Forum against Northeastern. Uh, Northeastern was beating the brakes off of us. Y'all were very good that year. <laughs> um, <laughs> or maybe not so much this year, but anyway, uh, I was already maybe a little upset by the score and, and complaining about my job prospects. And a family member of mine was actually uh, there with me coming to visit BC. And she said, hey, well, I work at this company called Viva. Seems like we check a lot of your boxes in terms of the whole CSR type thing. Why don't you pop an application in and just see where it goes? And after having a lot of conversations with recruiters, I realized that university recruiting is something that I might be successful at and I could really enjoy. And that's what's led me here. Awesome. Fantastic. All right, so Tom and I talked a lot about sports. We're big sports fans, whether it's basketball, football. His Dolphins are doing well this year. So yes, we are. We were talking over lunch, and we, we kind of came up with this sports metaphor because Tom talked about leadership in an information session that was earlier today. And, and I always say it's, it's just important to be scoring the baskets as it is cheering on your teammates. So I'd love to hear from you what leadership means to you and how that can be. You know, you're the leader on a project sometimes, but sometimes you're assisting and what that looks like. Yeah, absolutely. Leadership capabilities are obviously a very good skill to have for any candidate in any role. However, oftentimes in interviews, when uh, an interviewer will ask the candidate about teamwork experience, they kind of fall back into using a lot of I language as opposed to we language. And that's not necessarily what an interviewer wants to hear when it comes to integration into teams. 
There may be opportunities for you to lead a team early on in your career, but oftentimes those opportunities will come later on and you'll have to be playing more of a background role. And we want to know that you're able to integrate into a team and be successful and be happy with your role, even if you're not at the forefront. Uh, to use a basketball reference, I believe it's better to average 10 assists a game than 10 points a game, right? So if you can be a really good partner for your teammates, that is a lot more valuable than being the leader of a team every single time. So my advice is if you're in an interview and the interviewer asks you, tell me about a time that you've worked on a team, don't delve so much into times that you have led teams, but talk about when you didn't play such a, a leadership role, but you were still able to contribute to a success. Awesome. Thank you. So obviously, you know, we talk at length with students about teamwork. And I think that's really, you know, we've talked today about really building that teamwork internally and externally. So another thing that I think is really important for students is networking. So some students, it doesn't come naturally. I think that, you know, you and I have talked about this too. It's, it takes, it's a skill, networking itself and building relationships, but that's really a really what you and I do each and every day. So I'd love to hear your perspective on networking and building relationships and kind of some tools for students to be successful in that space. That's a great question. I think, well, first off, any school that you go to will have a very built up alumni network. Please utilize that to the best of your abilities that that's there for you to take advantage of. However, I think when it comes to networking, something that's really advantageous to you is taking a moment to sit with yourself and think about what your personal brand is. What values do you, do you really wanna to communicate to someone that you want to have in your network or to an interviewer? Be able to distill this, like why you chose a, your given field or your given position into a way that is a, that you are able to then easily give an elevator pitch about your personal brand to other people because what that will then in turn do is attract people with similar personal brands and grow out your network in a way that's extremely advantageous to you that will ensure that you get a role that you actually feel fulfilled in. Awesome. Thanks so much. We know that Viva is a really attractive employer for college students from your diverse workforce to your impressive customer base. So how do you share that with potential candidates and explain them what the Viva culture is and what that looks like? Yeah. So I think from a diversity standpoint, I'm very passionate about that. Back when I was in college, I was very involved in our uh, Cuban American Student Association. And that's something that I've been able to carry through into my time in Viva. We have a lot of culture groups and granted diversity looks a lot more than just your ethnic background. It could be your gender background, age, sexual orientation, all these sorts of things. But at least from my perspective, in a more cultural background, what we do is that we have groups like our Viva Asian Society, Viva Black Community, Latinos at Viva, that we have these opportunities for you to meet with other people of your own background and talk about what ails your your group and, and how this affects your time at Viva, how it affects just the, your working environment at all. But I think something that we do that's really great is that you're never tokenized as a member of any group. During the interview process, I'm sure I mentioned that at some point that I come from a Hispanic background, but I was never told, hey, Tom, you're Hispanic, you have to join this group. It was never like that. It was there for me to discover, there for me to join if I wanted to. And I think that's a really healthy way of going about that. 
concerning our super diverse customer base, we have over 11,000 customers worldwide, and this ranges from some of the biggest names in pharma. We work with 39 of the top 40 pharma companies in the entire world, so this could be Pfizer, Merck, Moderna, GSK, Bayer, but we also work with small startups, companies that maybe 10 to 12 people large that rely on our software for their livelihood. We have a slide on this uh, common presentation that we give prospective students, prospective candidates about all of the all the companies that we work with. But I think it's really cool to take a step back and realize that are we are aiding in big pharma, making sure that their very highly researched drugs hit to mar- hit the market. But we also work with a lot smaller companies that are trying to work in more nuanced and niche spaces to try to get drugs to people that may not be some of your biggest brand names, but really help a group of people. Awesome. That's great. I think, you know, obviously students are going to work with larger companies, smaller companies, but that's great that you are able to work with whatever company might be to make sure that you are a true partner for them to be successful. So I think a lot of questions that students have are, you know, this is a tech company, right? This is this is you're doing things in tech, you're making big waves. But what if I don't have a tech background? How do I break in? And what does that look like? Yeah, I kind of did a little bit of that uh, in my story earlier about my journey to Viva. But I think I think it's really valuable to take a step back and ask yourself, why do employers want people from STEM backgrounds in the first place? And a lot of it boils down to they want people that can work with abstract problems, problems that don't necessarily have a clear-cut answer. How can you work with your competencies to deliver the best solution that may be a little bit more creative? So what you should do is look back on your different experiences and find moments where you were able to do that. I also think that oftentimes candidates that don't come from STEM backgrounds fall into this trap of comparing themselves to STEM candidates during the interview process. And I don't think that that's very good to do. It honestly puts you in a bad mind space. But what you want to do is instead of focusing on what makes you different in a negative sense, focus on what makes you different in a positive sense. Let's say, for example, you come from a business background. A lot of business stems from refining your soft skills, being a very strong communicator. This is a value add that you can talk to a recruiter and say that this is something that is going to offer a fresh perspective in the role. So there is that. Utilize your networks for sure, like I was talking about earlier. See if you can utilize your alumni networks to see how they can help you break into whichever industry you're looking to get into. And I would also say if you do come from a less technical background and you do know that you definitely want to break into a specific industry, Take a couple courses in that if you have time left at, during school or maybe take an internship in that industry, maybe on the more business side of that industry. That could definitely help. And then there's also courses that you can take online, whether that's LinkedIn Learning or Coursera, things of that nature that show that you have a little bit more than just a passing interest in that industry. Awesome. And for our students listening, this is a plug for Forage. We also have a virtual work experience with different companies in tech and not in tech. So I think that's a great way for you to add to that skill set. So I'm super excited about Generation Viva. I've been able to talk to you about it, but I would love for you to explain more about the different paths within this program and really what this program means. Absolutely. Yeah. So Viva is a life sciences software company. We exist within the cloud. 
Firms like those I mentioned before, Pfizer, Merck, Moderna, all the way down to small startups will approach us and ask for a software solution that helps them handle any aspect of the drug lifecycle. So that could be the very beginning of the process when they're running their R&D and their clinical trials, carry through all the way to the end where they're marketing the drug, we're helping companies attain their ROI and everything in between. So then within Viva, we have a professional development program called Generation Viva, in which we have full-time roles available in tech consulting, business consulting, software engineering, data analytics, and sales. So the first of these uh, is probably the largest one, no, absolutely the largest one, which is our software engineering program or EDP, the engineering development program. These are the people that are building the software that we sell to our clients. We are a software company, software as a service. So we have 30 different softwares out on the market right now, around 30. We have two to three scheduled releases a year. So there's always a need for new engineers to come in and actually build out the product. We have full-time roles available front-end, back-end, full-stack, mobile, DevOps, performance, anything that you would like to do, as well as an internship for juniors or, I guess, first-year master's students in the engineering space as well. The next would be our tech consulting or consulting development program, CDP. What this is, is out of the box, when the client first purchases the license to our software, you do that fact-finding diagnosis, that face-to-face interaction where you are discovering what configuration of that software is going to meet their needs best. It's super client-facing, it is a consulting role, but it's also very technical in that you're doing point-and-click configuration to create the best configuration for our client in any of our softwares that we might sell to them. Then we have our business consulting development program, or BCDP. This one is essentially what you see at some of your big four consulting firms, but specifically working with firms in the life sciences. And right now we're hiring for three different pathways within that. There's business consulting analytics in which you're using coding and programming on the back end to to deliver these business insights to the clients. We have R&D consulting, which is essentially all the business processes that lead up to a drug launch. And then we have content consulting, which is everything post-drug launch, specifically in the pharma marketing space. We have our data analytics program, the analytics development program, and within that we have two different roles. We have a back-end role, which is our marketing data analyst. What they're doing is slicing and dicing the data as to what channels to market through, what demographics to target. Say you run an ad at this time or at this time, how does that affect viewership? Things of that nature. And then we have an ASA or analytic services associate. What they do is get out in front of the client and tell a story with it, more data visualization type stuff. It's a little less technical than the backend MDA role. And then last but not least, we have our sales development program, which is unique in that every role that I just said is two years long, but sales is four years long. Because the first two years of that program, you're in the consultant development program doing that tech consulting configuration. After those first two years, move into an SDR role where you're generating leads to pass to the qualified sales team. And then after that year, in your fourth year, you become an associate salesperson in which you're going on ride-alongs with the established sales team, helping them give presentations, basically learning how to become a full-cycle salesperson and take over your own territory. So those are the five programs. Wow, those are five very impressive programs and really great opportunities for students to really get to come in and and really make an impact quickly. Um, So that's super exciting to hear. So Tom, I love cover letters. I always tell students it's a really great way to differentiate yourself. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on cover letters and what you've seen in really good cover letters. That's a great question. So are cover letters necessary? In more of an applicant's 
market, I guess you could say, it may be less important, but I'm sure as everyone is aware now, the, the hiring market is maybe in a state of flux. Uh, companies are being a little bit more stringent on their hiring timelines and who they're bringing in. So a cover letter is an amazing opportunity to really help yourself stand out right now. I think where it's most helpful to the candidate is what we were talking about earlier when you said, how do I get a job in a STEM role, even though that may not be my background? That is an amazing way to explain to the recruiter, even before you even step in to an interview and explain what your story was, how you made your way into that career pivot. So I think maybe to start with some things that definitely you, you shouldn't put in a cover letter are um, the a company's name that isn't the one you're applying to. <laughs> I see that all the time. It's just proofread. You yeah. know, it's, it's pretty simple, but I do get that a lot of the time. And don't be so generic. I mean, having a generic cover letter that you can tweak to different companies isn't the worst thing in the world to save yourself some time. But if you really want to stand out, go on the website and, and look at what the company values are, if they're stated, or if there's anything that the CEO has stated that's kind of made ripples recently. Talk about things that really make you passionate about the role and really makes, makes it to where you need to be in this role at this company. I think interviews are a great opportunity to do this as well, but putting yourself ahead by having a standout cover letter at the beginning is an amazing opportunity. Thank you so much for diving into cover letter. And I think, you know, that's a part of one part of your personal brand, but I'd love to hear from you. What are other elements of personal brand that you find to be really important in potential candidates and then employees when they do get to Viva? I think one element that's it's very important is to talk about your competencies. Like, Obviously, you have certain certain achievements that lend credence to your to your skills, but your competencies, oftentimes people will kind of think of that as just what you're good at, but it's also very frequently what you're bad at. If you have anything that you want to build up, any skills that you don't see as being a strength, but you would like to be there, talk about that in an interview. Talk about how you really desire guidance in that, because that will show the interviewer that you are humble enough to admit that you're not perfect, but you are a hard worker and that you're willing to kind of shore up those deficiencies. Also, I would say, and this may, this may go without saying, but you'd be surprised how often this happens. A big part of your personal brand is simply honesty. Fake personas and in interviews are very easily sniffed out. The amount of times where I've had a candidate embellish a little bit too much and it just becomes very obvious that they're, uh, they're not necessarily being entirely truthful with you. Um, more time, that's happened more times than I can count. So just be honest with yourself because that also helps you build up your confidence knowing that you're putting forward a very authentic version of yourself. Also, during the interview process, you are very likely going to speak to multiple people. If you tell the first person that you interview with one thing and you tell the next person a separate thing, we will find out. We take notes, we talk to each other, and it doesn't really look good to you. It's kind of like, I'm sure everyone listening has at some point told a little white lie that they didn't really expect to blow up in their face, and then they have to kind of tweak it to meet someone else's expectations and tweak it again, and then you have to manage who knows what, and then it just snowballs and becomes this huge problem that would never would have been an issue if you just told the truth in the first place. Interviews are the same way, so just be honest with yourself, be authentic, and that's the best way to pair yourself 
with a role and an opportunity that would leave you feeling happy and fulfilled, which at the end of the day, I think is the most important part. I completely agree. And we we oftentimes talk to students about the career development life cycle. And I think that really starts with that cover letter, which we talked about, because you can tell if you have this really awesome cover letter and then it doesn't sound like your voice when you get to the interview. It's not genuine. It's not authentic. And the reason why you can be genuine, authentic, and students know this, I love researching companies. I love working with students on interview prep because I think it allows you to find a reason why you want to work for the company. So why you wanted to work for Viva would be different from a student, would be different from me, would be different from somebody else. So I think that when you get into the core values and you take the time to look at the investor report, see what's going on, what the objectives are for next year, that comes across as so much more authentic and organic. So I I definitely appreciate that insight. So Tom, you talked about having thousands of customers. So I was wondering with that, are there different locations for Viva to support that large customer base probably throughout the country and the globe? Absolutely. Yeah, we have offices all over the country, all over the world. A lot of our more senior roles do fall underneath our work from anywhere distinction where you can do it from literally anywhere in the country. But pertaining to Generation Viva specifically, each role carries with it different locations that you can do the role from. So to go in order, our engineering development program can be done from our headquarters in Pleasanton, California in the Bay, Kansas City, Missouri, Indianapolis, Indiana, Columbus, Ohio, Raleigh, North Carolina, Boston, Massachusetts, and if any of you guys out there are Canadian, also from our Toronto offices. Then we have our consulting development program. For that role, you have to be located within 45 minutes of either New York or Boston. For our business consulting role, again, New York and Boston, although those roles do have some offices in the EU. If any of you all are EU citizens, I believe it's in Barcelona, and I think Frankfurt, and we do have a London office as well that carries some of that. For analytics, New York and Boston, and for sales, New York and Boston. So a lot of Yankees fans, Mets fans, but also Red Sox and probably you know, a little <laughs> bit of different teams there. Definitely more uh, <laughs> more partial to the Red Sox. However, uh, the Marlins are my, my team of choice, big he's, Miami sports fan. He's a fan. Miami sports fan. All I right, am. awesome. Unashamed. Go Dolphins. <laughs> Our wonderful producer and editor came up with a new segment called This or That, so we're going to do quick fire with Tom about this or that from a university recruiter's perspective. So the first one, LinkedIn or Twitter for candidate outreach? Oh, LinkedIn. Is Twitter a, a serious option here? Absolutely <laughs> not. Do not do that. Especially not with, what is it, XNA Twitter at this point. I, I would not rely on that. LinkedIn for sure. But also make sure that your LinkedIn messages are personalized and, and use the correct name. Colorful resume with lots of text or black and white resume? Black and white, please, dear God. Black and white, as boring as possible. Our eyes as recruiters are trained to look in specific places on that resume. If your information is all jumbled and all over the place, it really is a detriment to you. So please, just the most basic black and white structured resume you can possibly have. You heard it here first, folks. We do talk to employers about resumes, I promise. LinkedIn recommendations or skills endorsements? Ooh, that's a good that's a good question. I say skills endorsements, but as long as they're endorsed by people that are reputable. So former bosses, not just like your random cousin who says that you know how to speak French. All right, next one. Dressed up or dressed down for interviews? Ooh, I'm going to have to say push on this one. 
there's no need to wear a tuxedo or even a suit, uh, anything of that nature, but please wear more than a t-shirt. I think just like a normal button down or anything just like business casual is very, very acceptable. I think there's a funny anecdote here. One of my, uh, one of my bosses once joined a Zoom interview and the candidate was shirtless. Nope. So definitely as far from that as possible, but just something more business casual. Okay, good to know. Um, all right, next one. Busy coffee shop or quiet room for your interview? It's a great question. Uh, I feel like probably quiet room, busy coffee shops, you just never know what's going to happen. A little bit of a less controlled environment. Um, yeah, I would say definitely a quieter room. If you share a dorm room with uh, with a roommate and you're doing the interview from there, please ask them to leave. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it just can be very distracting in the background to see them walking around making noise, and it's also probably distracting to you as well. So just any room where you're alone. Next up is generic questions or pointed questions. Absolutely pointed. On the generic side, there's nothing wrong with asking what company culture is like, especially if you're actually interested in that. But pointed questions that show that you really dug through the website and thought about the role and, and your spot within the company where you really you really want to learn more, that's going to show a lot better to a recruiter that really tells them that you want to be there. It's not just a clock in, clock out paycheck for you. As a fellow lover of the North End, the age-old <laughs> beat is Mike's or Modern? That's a great question. Um, ooh, I say Modern, but I am a little biased because the underground is pretty cool. I, I think their cannolis are a little better, which I know that's Mike's whole thing, but I say Modern. Interesting enough, I'm a big, I'm also a big Modern fan, but for their carrot cake, so I encourage mm. you to try it. I will, and try their tiramisu, that's also great. Thanks so much, Tom Ferrer, University Recruiter from Viva Systems for being here, it was so great. No, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate you taking the time to have me on and ask me these questions. I, I hope everyone listening got some really good insights as to their, uh, their interviews and uh, an application process. If you want to reach me online, you can find me on LinkedIn, Tom Ferrer, Viva Systems. I'm the only one, so <laughs> I'll be the one with the big orange Viva banner behind me. Uh, but yeah, thank you again so much for having me. Of course, it was so much fun. Thanks for tuning in to Careers in Action. Be sure to follow the podcast on Spotify and Apple Music. Stay curious, keep learning, and take action towards your dream career. Until next time, cut. Cut.